So it's worth asking some questions about Russia and Ukraine. And I say this not just because $1.8 billion is going from President Vladimir Zelensky or rather to Vladimir Zelensky from U.S. Congress. But I would make the case that we can't do this year after year after year. And I think most politicians know that, but I also think most political scientists recognize that as well. So let's put on a political science spin to this. Let's put on our political thinking caps and figure out what needs to change. What's the off-ramp? It probably isn't coming from Vladimir Putin directly, and it's probably not coming from Vladimir Zelensky directly as well. But I've got an answer. You see how it lands with you. We did that earlier on Toronto Today. He came, and it was it was an ask, but also an explanation as to where the money goes that the United States gives to Ukraine. He called it basically an investment in security, said the money's not charity. It's actually going to allow security for the rest of the world. I'll buy that. I'll buy that to a great extent. If you're wondering about Canada, something to learn here is the prime minister's office has said so far, and this was from November 14th, Canada's committed $3.4 billion in assistance to Ukraine. So um, extrapolate that math out. It's about $100 for every Canadian. We've all given basically a crisp $100 bill, whether we're one or we're 91 or 101 to Ukraine. We've all given 100 bucks each to Ukraine after tax. Okay, so that's Canada printing off money, $3.4 billion to help Ukraine. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have done what we've done, but I think it's important to keep some of this in context because there has to be an off ramp. And I'm going to explain what I mean in just a second. Here's Vladimir Zelensky at the U.S. Congress yesterday afternoon. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. We defeated Russia in the battle for minds of the world. The Russian tyranny has lost control over us. Zelensky also made the point that the world, we're part of that, and clearly the United States of America is too, with uh, Russia in its crosshairs, is too small to stand on the sidelines. This battle cannot be frozen. It cannot be ignored, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide a protection. The world is too interconnected and interdependent to allow someone to stay aside and at the same time to feel safe when such a battle continues. Our two nations are allies in this battle. And next year will be a turning point, I know it, the point when Ukrainian courage and American resolve must guarantee the future of our common freedom the freedom of people who stand for their values. So when this happened in February and March, you can imagine uh, after the Beijing Olympics and, and Russia invaded, there were some that thought that this would go rather smoothly, rather succinctly, that Russia would just recapture Ukraine. It hasn't worked out that way. Ukraine fought back. Citizens took up arms. Russia was disorganized. They didn't expect that to necessarily happen. Then the summer comes. Ukraine gets back big chunks of territory. Russia starts bombing 
the bejabbers out of them, trying to knock out infrastructure, knock out electricity. They want this to be a really harsh winter if you're living in Ukraine. They don't want heat. They don't want power. They don't want grocery stores. So um, Zelensky wants the protection against that particular onslaught to get through the winter and fight again in the spring. But here's the problem. And look, I, I sometimes politicians, and we all are, we're going to say things that we can't possibly mean, but we say them anyway. And I saw some of that yesterday. The Biden quote leaps off the page for me that uh, you will never stand alone. The American people have been with you every step of the way. That's okay. Here's the problematic quote. And we will stay with you. We will stay with you for as long as it takes. What if that's too long? What's the end game here? What's the off ramp? I get why the United States and Canada want to be involved. I get why NATO countries want to be involved. Make sure borders are protected. Don't let a uh, you know a foreign country cruise in and take over somebody else's country. That that seems to make sense. You want to keep Russia's aggression down. There's two goals internationally for countries like the United States, the UK, France, G7 countries, us two. Make sure Russia doesn't mess uh, mess around too much and make sure China doesn't mess around too much, which makes it, by the way, which makes this more frightening than the Cold War. I'm a Cold War kid. I grew up in it, but things have changed a little bit. But what's the off ramp? What are we trying to prevent? And uh, and after 630, I want to lay out some best case scenarios for what this could mean. The best case. I mean, we all know what the best case is. Ukraine forces Russia all the way out, all the way out, gets them out of Ukraine. Russia retreats, tail between its legs. Does anyone see this happening? Does anyone think that's going to transpire? And how does, by the way, how does Vladimir Putin convince his people? Well, that went well. It hasn't. It isn't. And, and it won't if you quit and walk out. So that's the best case scenario for Ukraine and maybe the world. But maybe it's our worst case if Vladimir Putin feels either cornered or feels embattled or feels that he's desperate and has nothing left to lose. You don't want a desperate world leader with nuclear weapons. You do not. I know they haven't been used in 77 years, but do you think we're going to go another 77 without someone dropping a nuclear attack on somebody? I'm not so sure. I'm not sure we'll go another seven. That's just me being honest. So what happens? Escalation? Do NATO planes go in the air? And here's the other thing. Zelensky can't go back and tell his people that he's out. We're taking a deal. They've sacrificed too much. They're going through the winter right now. They all picked up arms. Families were separated. Uh, husbands were murdered, leaving widowed wives. He can't go back and tell his people, yeah, we've got a great deal on paper. Let's take it with Vladimir Putin. I'm going to sign the documents tomorrow. So we have to pull out support at a certain point in time. Then Zelensky can blame us and go back and say, we have to make a deal. We've, we've lost our support. But when you give them, when you give Zelensky everything he wants yesterday, and I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen, but it can happen interminably, is my point. There's more of a chance of a catastrophe the longer this goes. We've been lucky so far to avoid it.